Welcome to the podcast of data and analytics in business. We will learn from the leading industry experts using data and analytics to solve the problems and create values in practice. We will also learn where the industry is heading to and how data and analytics will shape the industry in the future. Most importantly, how they are preparing their business for digital transformation and disruption in the future. I'm your host, Jason Tan, and thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I am the uh, invited speaker. So uh, as you can see, I'm going to be presenting Jamovi. Um, actually, these I probably should update these slides. Um, there's three of us, Jonathan, Damien and Ravi, but our, our commute team has sort of grown since then. So I probably need to add uh, additional people into this slide. Um, but yeah, we're sort of, we are a sort of broad open source project with collaborators all around the world. Um, and so where the where the official community stops and the informal community starts is sort of hard, difficult to say. And I think that's what I like about uh, open source projects is that um, you have a bunch of people with different levels of commitments and different contributions sort of thing. And uh, yeah, Jamobi is no exception. Uh, this is what Jamobi looks like for a, a bunch of this talk i'll just be demonstrating uh different bits and pieces but um i didn't want you to sit there kind of scratching your head wondering um what it looked like uh, while i get through these intro slides oh what does that noise mean i mean someone else joined oh, okay great um okay so Jamovi is sort of where it's free and open. We sort of think of ourselves as a free and open source alternative to SPSS. Now, you guys, as I understand it, are more of a data science sort of group. So it's it's every chance that SPSS is a dirty word uh, to you guys. Um, I think so our background is sort of psychology and the social sciences and SPSS is really a, a very core tool uh, in that space. Um, and so, yeah, so we've tried to create an alternative to that. But as I go on, you'll see that we've tried to build bridges to the R community as well. Um, so, yeah, we first released in late 2016. Um, and at the moment, we're used in over 100, probably maybe two or 300 uh, university undergraduate programs now. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting um, to see a sort of free open source community developed tool displacing uh, proprietary software like SPSS. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so our goals, modernize statistical software, but yeah, but also to build bridges between people of different levels of statistical sophistication. And I'll show you what we mean by that. Um, so, you know, there tends to be this spectrum where you've got sort of less sophisticated users down one end. They tend to prefer using a graphical user interface or something like SPSS. Then sort of at the sophisticated end of the spectrum, you've got like your R programs. And I imagine you guys would represent uh, this more sophisticated end of the spectrum. And then somewhere in between, you've got people who, you know, maybe prefer a GUI but they like dabbling in R or the, the problems they need to solve force them to use R and they're not necessarily, they're not completely comfortable, but you know, they can copy and paste scripts and, and they can make it work. 
Um, and so similarly, these UI users, they tend to use pretty basic analyses like ANOVA. I mean, I don't know, something like 50% of analyses performed in psychology are ANOVAs. It's, it's really the bread and butter of uh, what psychologists do. And then as you're getting into your dabblers, you know, you might be looking at your linear mixed effects models or your generalized linear models. And then, you know, as you move into our programs, well, you know, they're doing crazy stuff. Um, so what we try to do is, um, or what tends to happen is this, a UI user might be like, well, how do I do X? How do I do analysis Y sort of a thing? And, and our programmer might say, oh, let me just throw together an R script for you. And then the UI user's like, what? I can't do this sort of thing. And so what we've tried to do is sort of uh, bridge that one, try and create tools which make it easy for people to help one another. Um, and so we've sort of done this a few different ways. Um, one of them is that uh, Jamovi supports a module framework. Um, and I'll walk you through this a bit later on in the talk, but that's where we can, um, our programmers can develop modules that uh, that people who are comfortable using the Jamovi spreadsheet can steer. So it's like a user interface on top of our packages. Uh, and we've also got uh, what we call Jamovi templates. And so this is an approach to scripting, uh, which doesn't actually use uh, code sort of thing. And I'll demonstrate this for you as well. Uh, and then the other thing that we provide is we provide our syntax for the analyses we produce. And so this is sort of an invitation to graphical users to, to move to the right, if you like, to begin dabbling uh, with R. And the other thing we have is what we call the RJ editor, and that allows you to execute R code directly inside Jamovi. Okay, so I think this is the point where I'm just basically going to give you a demonstration. Uh, I've got this slide here with a sort of overview of features. That's sort of there for my benefit, so I, I don't forget anything. So I'm just going to put that there. Um, but here is Jamovi here. Um, uh, hopefully you think this is an attractive piece of software. I tend to think it is. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to open a data set. I'm going to use the toothpaste data set that most of us know from R. Um, and I'm going to open that. You can see here we, we're a spreadsheet. We can scroll through our data. And then we've got a range of different sort of analyses available. So ANOVA, regression, um, frequencies. So again, your contingency tables, et cetera. Uh, your sort of factor analysis uh, type analyses. Um, if you've got these other ones here, I'll come back to these a bit later. But for this one, maybe let's begin just by running some descriptives. So I'm going to run some descriptives and I'm just going to pop some of these things over from the left to the right. Um, like this. So maybe I want some plots, maybe I want a histogram or a box plot. But uh, yeah, and maybe I want to split, split by SUP or something like that. You can see it gives me a breakdown of the data into side-by-side you know, -side box plots and a histogram sort of thing. But yeah, the nice thing about this is I think it's interactivity uh, and just being able to drop things in and out and uh, have them update is sort of very satisfying. 
user experience. But you know, maybe I want to perform an ANOVA on this data set. So maybe I'll run an ANOVA. And I'll um, just pop these things over from the left to the right. Maybe I want some estimated marginal means as well. Let's get this one. Maybe I want the interaction. So, you know, I can plot the interaction. And, you know, if I don't like the order of things, I can just swap things around to get a more natural looking plot. Um, now, the other thing I can do is I can go back to a plot that I've or an analysis I've run earlier, and I can go back and I can continue to make changes to this. So that's the nice thing about, uh, uh, about Jamovi, that everything you do is sort of saved and you can come back and pick up where you left off. Um, and so this is how we sort of achieve reproducibility. In fact, I could save this, this set of analyses as a data file, I could send it to a colleague, um, the colleague could open that, and um, and they'd be able to pick up exactly where I'd left off, or they'd be able to see exactly what options I'd used to run uh, each of the analyses. So yeah, so that's pretty nice. Um, another thing I can do is I can come over here, and here I've got the option for syntax mode. And when I toggle this, it takes me to the sort of output I might expect from an R section sort of thing. And so if I just, I'll just come down here and grab this uh, tooth growth, this anima that I performed, right? So what I can do is I can just copy this block of code here and I can take it to, uh, uh, what am I going to do? I'll go. I'm just going to paste this here, and we're using the tooth growth data set. I'll substitute that in there, and I'll run it. So, uh, I've just got an outdated package, but it looks like well, Let me run this again. This is one of these um, one of these awkward uh, demonstration moments. All right, let's try to see. Okay, and here we are. I've got an anima here, and you'll see that I've got the same plot here as well. Um, Okay, so that's a nice thing, the syntax mode. And I think I think this is a for some people who are perhaps more comfortable with the spreadsheet. I think this is a more approachable way for, uh, for them to begin exploring uh, what it means to write R code. Okay, what else will I show you? Um, another cool feature is sorry, I've just got Zoom sort of obstructing me here as so well. If I'm positioning my window in a slightly unusual way, it's so that I can interact with it. Um, the other thing we've got is this thing here called the Jamovi Library. And if you come here, you can see this is a whole range of additional modules uh, that can be installed into Jamovi. Um, so, you know, we've got uh, 
things like item response theory, blah, 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 blah. And so these are, these are all been developed and written by the sort of broader Jamobi community. And so, yeah, it's been really exciting to sort of watch uh, these things come together. So what I can do, let me pick a good one. I'll just install one and we'll see. Uh, maybe, uh, where's the walrus? I think here's walrus here. Let me install the walrus module. And now this is a module for um, uh, robust statistical methods. And so now I've installed it, you see we've got an additional icon here. And so, you know, I can go on and uh, do a range of robust analyses, uh, just like that. So, you know, that's, that's the Jamovi library, it's like an app store. And, and that's sort of, I think, part of, uh, and you're hopefully getting a sense that Jamovi is more than just this particular uh, statistical package. It's sort of the broader ecosystem and the broader community as well. Okay, so that's the Jamovi library. Another one we've got here is the RJ editor. Uh, and this, again, this isn't included in Jamovi, you have to install it from the Jamovi library. But with this, you know, I can just uh, run some R code here. So I'm gonna do a summary on the data. I can run this. If I want to plot, plot the data, I can go like this as well. Uh, and so on and so forth. So when you think about it, this is actually a really nice way of sharing R code as well, or sharing analysis. There's lots of times where Jamovi is very structured, but uh, obviously you've um, uh, sometimes sometimes what Jamovi doesn't provide enough sort of thing, and so you need to write some R code. A very easy way that you can send it to a colleague who perhaps isn't comfortable uh, running R code, but is comfortable um, uh, yeah, opening a spreadsheet. It's just a very convenient way to share code. So that's a nice thing about the RJ editor as well. And yeah, and again, for people who are interested in taking their first steps with R, uh, that's nice as well. Um, okay, what I might show you now is Jamovi templates. And this, this is sort of almost a sort of computer science uh, sort of exploration or an alternative way of thinking about scripting um, or, or the sorts of problems that we would traditionally solve with scripting. But what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna open up a data set from my computer. Now this is a data set of uh, what we call the Stroop task. Um, the Stroop task is a famous sort of psych psychological task. And what you do is you have the participant, uh, you have the participant respond to, uh, they're presented with a word. So they might be presented with the word, the color, the word red, and that word red might be colored red. And similarly, they might be presented with the word blue, and they might be presented with the word green. But crucially, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to ignore the word and just report the color. So in this case, they're going red, blue, and green. So this is obviously a very easy task, but the, but what we do is we have incongruent conditions. So here we have the word blue, uh, but colored red. And in this case, the participant's supposed to respond red, blue, and green. 
So you're supposed to ignore the word and respond in the colour. And what we find is that uh, congruent trials, that is where the colour matches the word, people respond more quickly than where they're incongruent. And this this sort of makes it's sort of a, a sort of silly finding in some ways, but it actually tells you something interesting about what what the brain is doing in performing that task. So this is this is a experimental data file with this sort of task. And what I'm going to do is I'm probably just going to start by cleaning it up. So I'll just delete uh, these ones here. I'm going to click duration because that's how long it took the participant to respond. I'm going to keep response, i.e. the what the participant responded with. And maybe I'll just delete these last ones. But this last one here I need to keep because that's the word, the word that the, was presented to the participant. But let me just trim this down like so. Have I got everything I need? Yes, I do. Okay, now it turns out this is a very messy data set and that's often the case in the real world, right? Our data sets are very messy. So what the, the only trials we, the only rows we actually want to look at are these ones here, this Stroop screen uh, in them. So I'm going to filter out all of the rows that don't have that. So I'm going to say the sender column has to be equal to Stroop screen. And this gives me just the rows that I'm interested in. And in fact, I'm going to do one further. I'm going to hide all of the rows that I'm not interested in. Okay, and so now actually what I'll do is I'm going to score each of these trials. So first of all, I'm going to decide whether the trial, I'm going to insert what's called a computed vote. Sorry, I went a bit too quickly there. Um, what I can do is I can insert either a data variable, a computed variable, a transform variable, but I'm going to do a computed variable. And what I'm going to do is I'm first of all going to say whether the trial was congruent or not. So I'm going to call that congruence. And so we're presenting uh, the, the word. So in this, this trial here, right, is the word was orange and the color was blue. And so these are incongruent. In this trial here, the color was red and the person responded with red. Sorry, the color was red and the word was red. So this was congruent. So to score this, I'm going to say if the color is equal to the word, then we're going to call this congruent. And if it's not by either else, then I'm going to say that's incongruent, uh, and so on and so forth. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to compute whether the participant responded correctly or not. I'm going to call this column correct. And if it's correct, it's whether the, the, their response is equal to the color. So I'm going to say if their response is equal to the color, I'm going to say correct, otherwise incorrect. Okay. So now we've got our sort of cleaned up, cleaned up data set. What I can do is I can, I can just run some descriptors. And when I do this, what I'll do is I'll look at duration, that is how long it took the participant to respond, and I'll look at uh, correct or how accurate they were. And so I'll just start by looking at some frequency tables. 
So if I look here, so there's 24 trials. We can see that the participant responded correctly 21 times and they made three mistakes. Now what we can do is we can split this by whether the trial was congruent or incongruent. And sure enough, uh, when the trials were congruent, they got them all correct. And the only time they made mistakes was when they were incongruent. And what we see here in their response times is that the person was slower to respond. You can see 11.98 milliseconds to respond uh, in the incongruent condition than the congruent one. Uh, I can even plot this if I want. Okay, so, so that's sort of the basic thing, but what I can do is I can save this file as a template. And I'm going to do that. I'll export it as a template. And a template is sort of like a script. Save that as calc.omp. Now, when I open this one, here it is here. It's, as you can see, it's the same data file, if you like. But what's different is that there's no data here. And so this is sort of like an empty script waiting to be run on some data. And so what I can do is I can come down here to import and I can import, say, participant two into this. And when I do this, you can see, you know, the analysis reruns and now I've got the results for participant two. In fact, I can do one better. What I can do is I can import all three participants data into this one file. And now when I do this, you can see now we've got 72 trials in here. And uh, yeah, we've got some box plots there. But the problem with this though, is that this is collapsing or combining all of the participants data. So what we can do is when I imported the multiple data files, this new source column gets created. And so you can see here I've got P1, P2, P3, etc. And so what I can do is I can drop the, uh, the source column into here. And you can see it's split them all up. And so here I'm able to see where did Bruce come from? I must have made. Hmm. Anyway, what we can do is we can see each of these P1, P2, and P3, and we, we can see them for each of the participants. Actually, this isn't quite a natural order. I'm just going to order these slightly differently. So here we go. We've got P1, we've got congruent, incongruent, congruent, incongruent. And we can see that in the incongruent conditions, they're slightly slower. So this is, yeah. I, I wanted to show this because it's a slightly different take on on the way that we approach scripting, sort of a thing, uh, in that it, it can be done without uh, needing a scripting language, which, uh, yeah. Okay, what else was I going to show you? Anything else here? Do, do, do. Okay. Um, I've already showed you the library. But yeah, there's a whole range of additional modules there. Um, uh, these are just some resources that are available. Uh, the data, data Lab have a range of videos about 
four and a half hours of instructions on Jamovi for people using it in courses and what have you. Um, there's the book, Learning Statistics with Jamovi. Uh, I just wanted to give you a rundown of what's involved in developing modules. Um, so at their heart, Jamovi modules are just hard packages. Um, and there's a few approaches you can take. So one is that you can just write a whole R package or module from scratch. Um, another one is to take an existing R package and add sort of like the user interface and that sort of material to it. Um, and the last one is just try and create a wrapper, a thin uh, wrapper around an existing R package. And so it sort of depends on uh, yeah, a range of things as to what the best approach is. But, um, but that they call Jamovi, a Jamovi module is an R package with some extra stuff. And it still works as an R package. It can be submitted to CRAN, et cetera. And so this here is uh, JMV. These are all of the analyses uh, from Jamovi are simultaneously available from CRAN. So it's a nice framework in terms of uh, being able to go be operable in a spreadsheet uh, and also be operable from R. Um, and so I think if any of you have been involved in developing R packages before, you'll be familiar with the DevTools package. And when you want to install uh, a package uh, that you're developing, you use the DevTools install command. Well, for Jamovi, we have JMV tools install, and that will install your module. Um, so let me just walk you through an example. Um, actually, we've got a bunch of tutorials that walk you through this process, dev.jamovi.org. So if you wanted to do it, uh, I'd recommend starting there. But um, I'll just give you uh, a quick rundown. So if you've already got an R package, you can use this command, jmvtools add analysis. And you give your analysis a name and a title. So in this case, independent samples key test. And what you end up with is you end up with a definition for the analysis and so it's this yaml format here um, and so you can see here we've got data uh, which is what the analysis consumes and then we have in the case of a t-test we have a, a variable uh, we need the user to be able to specify a dependent variable a grouping variable you know maybe their alternative hypothesis and whether they want to assume equal variances um, and so first up, these items here in the header, uh, the name, the title, the menu group, they end up, this is what ends up being represented in Jamovi uh, inside here. And then this section here, we've got uh, all of these options that the analysis have. In Jamovi, this, this is what they'll end up, they'll end up being represented, something like this. Uh, for simple analysis, um, Jamovi will automatically lay out your controls for you, but uh, it doesn't take too long before your analysis gets too complicated and you're better off uh, uh, laying them out yourself. But yeah, the tutorials will walk you through that process. But just as the options map onto the options here, when, when it's an R package, the options map onto uh, each of the arguments to an R function as well. And so in this way, the options that you specify map onto both the UI and the R code. Um, and Jamovi gives you this little template that you can fill in essentially. 
So you've got self dollar data, which contains the data, self dollar options, which contains the options, self dollar results, which contains the sort of results object. And so a really simple analysis might be this. I'm just taking the, um, the dependent variable, the grouping variable, and I'm pasting them together with a tilde, turning that into a formula, and then I'm passing that off to the t-test uh, function, and then I take the results and I set them into the results. And of course, what we can do with this, now we've written this module, is we can install it into Jamovi and into R. So again, same as before. Um, and of course, uh, that gives you a very basic analysis. If you want to go to the next level, which is creating rich results, then well, yeah, you'll need to follow along the tutorial. Um, so yeah, if you want to learn more, there's dev.jamovi.org, our forums, and yeah, our GitHub page. Um, all these are really quite uh, old slides. Uh, where I think we're up to Jamovi uh, 2.3 at the moment. Um, but yeah, so that is basically my talk. Um, uh, yeah, that's sort of the Jamovi concept. Um, more broadly, I think there's something, I think there's something, Jamovi sort of fits, one way that I thought about it is it sort of fits between, you've got like your R shiny dashboards that provide a very, uh, simple experience but but really really specific sort of a thing and then you've got say your r studio and your r scripting sort of approach which is obviously incredibly diverse i think you maybe fit somewhere in between uh these sorts of things and i think there's a case for um empowering uh as data scientists we don't want to do all of the work for everyone's big. and so if we can uh, offload a measure of that work to a, a less sophisticated, uh, less sophisticated people within an organisation. I think there's an opportunity there as well. So, so yeah. So I think that's, I think that's the way I try and pitch it to data scientists. Anyway, is that it's a tool that can empower an intermediate user to uh, achieve useful results. But yeah, that's um, that's kind of my talk. Anyone have any questions or uh, anything like that? Thank you so much, John, Jason, Tanya. I'm terribly sorry that I was late to meeting. <laughs> I'm so glad that you got it started before. I... It, it was a bit of an ominous feeling, like when I turned up at five and like I was the only person here. <laughs> so I was oh. like, oh, um, maybe this is how they do it. Maybe they just record them. And... No, I can assure you, and, and Evan, who has be, who has presented here before, can assure you that is not usually the case and <laughs> how we handle the things. So again, my apology, but I want to say that was a great presentation. Um, I certainly have a couple of questions, if that is okay, mm -hmm. or anyone else take over. <laughs> uh, the first thing first is, so how... I, I can see where in terms of your pitch about intermediate between the power, I, I probably would describe it as more of the power user, but not necessarily the data scientist or the data engineer. I think power user in the business team, how much of the success so far in terms of pitching this sort of product for them to be using 
while that is already so many software vendors are already trying to sell them uh, the thing that could perhaps achieve a similar objective. Sorry, what was the, the question? How, how much you, of the success to, 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 to uh, get these power users to use Jamovi um, apart from how it can help them to achieve, but at the same time, I can imagine, and I know that there will be so many other software vendors that are already mm. approaching them day in, day out uh, to, to get the, 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 the power user adopting and using their product. What is the success so far? In, in the sort of in business side of things, I'm not actually sure. We, we really have universities is really where we've taken root. Um, and that's, and that's, that's been really exciting, right? When, when all of your intro stats programs are using Jamovi sort of a thing, those people then go on to become the data scientists of the future sort of a thing. And, and so, yeah, for me, that's, that's the most significant thing is to get into education. And it does take a few years for uh, that knowledge to traverse, but yeah. And in some ways, this is my question for you because I, I'm not really in the data science scene sort of thing where I'm more connected with the social sciences and universities and university programs and stuff like that. I'm interested in the data science. I'm interested in seeing what role Jamobi can play there. But I don't actually have, or most of us don't really have that many connections there. And I, I think it would be, I think it would be great if we could forge those connections. But um, mm -hmm. So when you say in the education, it sounds to me that uh, it would be the student that you are targeting and where Jamovi is taking root uh, of helping them to learn R um, before they want to dive deeper to do the scripting, the uh, where everything can be done in the script and doing all the scripting. Would that be correct? So it sort of depends. For for lots of people, statistics they won't, they will not need to use R sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. There are a large proportion sort of thing, but certainly we certainly see that there's synergy there and a symbiosis uh, and we want to help people if if they want to go the next step to moving to r we want to help them sort of become all that they can be i, I suppose um, mm. and similarly that that sort of goes full circle as well because those people can perhaps see the merit in publishing a module and making this accessible to and again that's really what we're trying to achieve is that that crossover moment there tends to be a, this chasm between the UI users and the, uh, the R users sort of thing. And so I guess we're trying to bridge that. I see, I see. I think one of the things that certainly I can see how that works, I don't know how far is the journey, but I know that there are numbers of the software vendor where they really build up their um, the uni student to be familiar with their software. And by the time they get, they step, they step into the workforce and they also have a really strong presence in the workforce, typically those students will automatically tend to pick up that sort of the software that they are already familiar, they, are, they have already had some sort of experience uh, before. And that is how they make a really uh, um, strong presence and also uh, the use of, of your software that that yeah. I know 
in yeah, yeah. that is probably one of the strategy many of the vendor are using the yeah. question i have got is the module um module is the probably the one that i find super interesting in a way that have you seen anyone um creating multiple multiple modules and and then string all the modules together to almost to create uh end-to-end -end solution or to almost create a system uh to solve certain problem and then at the same time you can almost swap in and swap out the modules um when necessary yeah i mean it's that's basically it right um <laughs> that's basically how it works is that, yeah people are able to install the modules that they need part of part of software like SPSS is it tends to be a bit overwhelming and it contains a lot of stuff that you don't actually need and mm -hmm. so yeah you can, the fact that you can just install what you need uh, right. yeah I, I think yeah ideal for students anyway I mean I, I spent years teaching first year stats as well and yeah that's uh, yes. I just want to make sure that I'm not totally taking over. So for Alex <laughs> and Dallas, please feel free to jump in. This is like more of a open session for everyone. Uh, please feel to jump in to share uh, or ask question away. Um, yeah. Jason, quick question from my side. Thank you for organizing and Jonathan, thanks for a great presentation. Really enjoyed it. For the recording of this one, Jason, will it be made available? Because I know there's a couple of people in my team that I'm sure would be interested. Mm. I am recording, so I am certainly will make it uh, available. I just want to be sure that the first couple of minutes was also recorded when I was like, Jonathan, did you notice it was recorded before I Yes, so the when I joined, it, the moment I joined, it said this is being recorded. <laughs> so, okay, so Evan, I think we will have the whole thing recorded and then I will certainly share it with you. That's the cool thing about making sure all of those things are set up properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing that I forgot to mention, this is what I'm using here is I'm using Jamovi in a web browser. So this is the other thing we have is that the, we have the cloud-based version of Jamovi, and and I think this is really exciting too because lots of statistical software so to date hasn't been cloud-based, um, and so so yeah here I am running this inside of Firefox, and of course this opens up a whole bunch of things in terms of collaboration you know or you get that sort of zero friction sharing of data files and that sort of thing where you can just you know drop a link into a, into an email that you send to someone and they can open it up they can annotate it they can add text and and it, yeah you can get that collaboration so this is this uh yeah this is pretty exciting i'm spending a lot of time uh, getting this up to scratch at the moment but you can try this out this is on cloud.jamovi.org um but yeah it's something that yeah i'm pretty excited about that. I think so. I think it really makes it, it uh, a lot more appealing. Uh, do, do, do you agree, Evan? I'm not trying to put it on the spot, but I just want to put a bit of Absolutely. background about what Evan does. And then I think Evan can give uh, why this could work for his team. So Evan works for a mid-tier uh, 200-plus consulting company uh, mm -hmm. with the focus in optimization uh using commercial mathematics uh he's a head of data science over there 
And the reason that Evan make the time to come in, I am sure that is a good reason appealing to him. And the very fact that he just said that his team would be interested. Do you mind to share with us, Evan, that what, why? I mean, there are so many software and vendor. I'm sure that your your team is already familiar. But what attracted you to wanting to learn more uh, about Jamovi and make use for your team? Yeah, absolutely. The use case for us, Jonathan, is even though our people write code in R and Python and stuff, you at the big, very beginning of a program, a project, you've got to get your head around the data quickly. And a lot of them will work in Excel for that because it's just faster. The data's there, functions there, you click it and you can do it. And so it's Excel's good, but there could be better things um, to, to utilize beyond Excel for these basic initial analyses. And I just was keen to see how far Jamovi bridges that gap between not having to full-on code, but having enough power to do those things. Now, its focus is on the social sciences a bit more than probably what we do. We never do ANOVA stuff. We'll just typically do straight-up regression and have categorical variables and things like that in there. Mm-hmm. But um, it could be useful for fast stuff. I'd, I'd have to let some people play around with it and see what they think. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I'm pretty, I think we've got a pretty nice regression uh, analysis, actually, but I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, yeah, I think it's with that drag and drop and also the, the fact that in cloud, it makes it even more interesting. Is that cloud thing, is it completely open source free for user? Or what, what is the pricing model in that? Is, is that one? So you can, you can, there's sort of this Jamovi, which is the open source component. So that's a desktop application. It can also be run as a Docker container and you can run that as, but that's really a single user experience. For the sort of multi-user framework, that's where that's proprietary. And we'll, we'll have some fee structure for that, uh, you know, some uh, subscription fee or something like that. Um, but yeah, so we are, uh, certainly the core product and the analyses and, and the core Jamovi experience has to be sort of open source, but we are interested in seeing if we can monetize um, some of the uh, some of the cloud uh, things as well. So, yeah. One of the business model where I have seen using the open source model and then building that uh, paying model working so, so, so well is that the open source very much give all the features and all the things that um, people want already. Um, yep. And people will be running, maintaining, installing in their own machine uh, or maybe their own cloud, whatever that is. And subsequently, where the paid product coming into the picture is that um, the company A would then, who, 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 who is responsible to drive the force of the open source of the product, Equally, they provide the hosting solution. The hosting yeah. solution will have the security built in, will have uh, all the advanced features built in to the extent that you have nothing else to have to think and have to take care, which means the, the people open source will, dream, will bring in a lot of the brand awareness and the, uh, the use and trial. And by the time they're ready to implement it, um, they would almost like, no brainer, like, I'm going to just go to the cloud uh, pay production. That seemed to be working really well. So I think there's something in there that you might want to consider. 
Yeah, I think something that's really important is not to have the not to have a, uh, a free open source version which is missing features. Exactly, exactly. I think that's, that's that's a very important value of our sort of a thing to do that. that. And and I think is it K mine or K nine or something. I think they take have taken a very similar approach where yeah. The um, one that I had in mind is uh, uh, actually is a startup company called Airbyte, but they focus purely just on the data engineering. So A I R B Y T. I'm just gonna type it mm -hmm. over there. Um, Airbyte. So they focus purely on the data engineering, especially uh, bringing the data from the external party into the organization. So for example, uh, let's say if you work for the university or you work for another company, um, you may be interested in, in, in the Google Analytics data or maybe the Google AdWords data or some of those, one of those, the cloud platform and you're interested in the data that is sitting there uh, where you, you have the ownership. Um, that that is what they do, which is bringing the external data into the organization. Mm. Yeah. 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 So no, it's yeah. I've been. It's just been a, a really fun and rewarding project to be a part of. And so yeah, yeah. no, I appreciate your enthusiasm. No problem. Alex, uh, you have any question that uh, for John that you would be interested to find out? If not, maybe introduce yourself, what attracted you to, uh, to join this and at this. Well, Alex is actually a mate of mine, so, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, so he's, he's rent a crowd. He's, he's my rent a crowd. <laughs> it was a great presentation, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think Tremovi's great. Very yeah. happy to be here. Thanks. Me and Evan, um, um, <laughs> I'm in I'm in Melbourne actually. Okay, and John, does that? Yeah. I'm in Newcastle. So, sorry, said again. Newcastle. Newcastle. Yes, yes, yes. Well, at least we are all in Australia. We don't seem to have anyone from outside of Australia today. I know that was a couple of times we have a uh, Korean, New Zealand, and. European in the session, which I am still surprised. How did they find out about the event? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. I think that is all the question I have. Um, before I let you go, Evan, do you have any question that you want to ask John before we finish this up? I take that as a no. Um, so thank you so much, John, and uh, great to see you. Learn a few more things. I think I suspect that some of my team members might find it useful exactly like what Evan uh, uh, explained. Thank you so much again. All right. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for the invitation. It was, it was great. Yeah.